I'm so excited to do my Christmas time ASMR for you. But before we get into it, I want to thank ExpressVPN. <laughs> ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> it's Christmas Eve Eve, right? Or, well, I guess it depends on when you're listening. Yeah. Almost. It's Christmas Eve Eve, right? That's what I said. Oh, it must have cut out. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I think you're the, like frozen I think at the, the moment. Like, reception is poor. But yeah. Happy Eve, y'all. Happy morning, afternoon. So good to be back. Yeah, hope everybody's doing well. Hope you're all, you know, being safe, staying healthy. Yes. I can't believe that Christmas is almost here. It's insane how quickly the month has flown. I know. this. We were just talking about this the other day. We just feel like Mm. we got ripped off this season. Yeah. It came and it went. Like, we didn't get a chance to really enjoy the Christmas spirit. And I've had my decor up for, like, two months now. And I still just have not been able to, like, really have, like, a Christmas moment. I haven't even baked anything. That's unusual. At all. Yeah. Yeah, very unusual for me because I do so much Christmas baking. But now I will be because I was supposed to be traveling for Christmas, but that trip has been canceled because, you know, COVID has stolen Christmas from me once again. But now that I'll be home, I will be doing a lot of Christmas baking. I'm excited for you. I'm It's nice sometimes to be home and just to bake and cook if you're into that. I got COVID, so I've been home. I've been cooking, trying out some new recipes, um, enjoying some new takeout food that I've never had before. (laughs) Nice, Um, nice. Yeah, but I haven't been outside in – it's been six days now, so I'm really Mm -hmm. just – Freaking fighting for my life to breathe some fresh air. Yeah. Soon enough, you'll be you'll be out there. You'll be recovered, breathing in some fresh air. Absolutely. Um, and hopefully enjoying the Christmas spirit. Yeah. And there's, you know what? There's plenty of other fun activities to be had at home. You can watch the mm-hmm. Christmas movies. You're going to do some baking. You could even start, hear me out here, you could start scrapbooking. I don't I don't think I've ever scrapbooked before. Um I'm more of a, a knitter when it comes to my crafts. You are. Um but before I bore you all more with <laughs> the the fun details of my hobbies, shall we talk about our movie for today? I think we should. Today we are covering the classic, the pivotal Home Alone, OG 1990. Yes. This was the most requested film that you guys wanted us to cover. And I'm going to tell you all right now, this this really tells you how dedicated I am to this podcast. Because this year is the first time in like 20 years, at least as far as I can remember, where I have watched this movie before Christmas Day. It is a tradition in my household that we watch Home Alone 1 and 2 on Christmas Day. But you guys wanted this movie, so I did it. I watched it early. um, And I will be watching it again on Christmas Day. But, yeah, that's how much I love you guys that I did this. (laughs) That I did this. Absolutely. (laughs) 
And, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to give Home Alone another shot. I was a bit afraid of Macaulay Culkin as a kid. Oh, really? I don't know exactly why. I think like the, this is like, this is, I I don't know even how to, what to call this, but like, I think that it was just, he was so blonde and his skin was so pale. I was going to say, is it because he was so blonde? Yeah. And it was like, he looked just super creepy to me, like. His features, I don't know. I don't know. I still think the Macaulay brothers look a little odd, but I love I love Kieran Kieran Kiernan? Kieran. Kieran. Yeah. Him. Yeah. He's great in succession. <laughs> and I did like this movie. I did. So mm-hmm. I gave it another shot, took my hands yeah. off my eyes, and I watched it. <laughs> I oh well, I'm glad I'm glad that you gave it another shot. It it is a classic. I mean it's it's not my favorite Christmas movie, but it is just one that we always would watch on Christmas Day. It's like a family favorite Christmas movie. I heard that, um, yeah. Because longtime listeners may know that my favorite Christmas movie is The Holiday. Rightfully so. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one. But this movie is great. It's super fun. Very 90s. Obviously, we have Macaulay Culkin, Kieran Culkin. Also, I want to give a quick shout out to Nia, the one person who DM'd us from our Santa Claus episode yeah. who wants interested in hearing us talk about succession. Thank you. Thank you, Nia. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we also have, uh, I mean, it's really quite the cast. We've got Joe Pesci. Uh, we have Daniel Stern. We have mm-hmm. um, Catherine O'Hara. Her husband is played by someone relatively famous. Yeah, he's definitely done other stuff. I just, his name is escaping me. You know what I got confused with for a second? Um I just started watching The O.C. and I was going to say, <gasps> oh my God, you didn't even tell me that. I know, it's kind of spur of the moment, but like, I think we're on episode four now. Mm-hmm. It is so good. It's so good. And I got the dad in that confused with this dad for a second. Uh, Sandy Cohen. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so excited for you to embark on this O.C. journey. I'm already gripped. I'm already We'll gripped. have to talk about this later. <laughs> But yeah, it's oh, it's so good. But yeah, for back, I'm dialing back in. Home Alone, I'm dialing back in. So it had a 18 million dollar budget, and it made 476.7 million dollars at the box office. So very big success. Uh, it was directed by Chris Columbus. It was written by John Hughes, and the amazing score is by John Williams. Um, John Candy also makes an appearance in this movie. Yeah. And he does improvise all of his lines, which is apparently like a trademark of um, Mm. John Hughes. And he also like had the five characters in The Breakfast Club improvise when they were talking about why they were in detention. Mm. Um, But John Candy does an incredible job. I love John Candy. I think he's so funny. Um, He's just like, one of the great comedians from that time period. Oh, totally. I need to rewatch Uncle Buck. I haven't seen that movie in years. We also found um, that Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern apparently felt pretty indifferent about the movie's potential during shooting. They were kind of like, oh, I don't know. So they just gave like over-the-top performances, really hammed it up, did whatever they wanted because they didn't think it would be a huge success story. And I think that's like what makes it such a success. I think so too. I had also read that like Joe Pesci um, around the set would purposefully like ignore Macaulay Culkin and just like not talk to him (laughs) 
to make him dislike him for the filming. And oh my god, Phil was talking to me about that, and he's like, "What a like baller move! Like what an alpha move! Just to be like, yeah, I'm gonna do method acting with this kid and make this kid think I fucking hate him." Joe Pesci really said, "Fuck them kids!" Literally. I think we should dive in, but first, shall we? Get back on our review train and do some shout outs. Beep, beep. Yeah, that was me saying yes. So first up, we have a review from Katie. Uh, we did find you and stalk you on Instagram. Uh, you seem like a very cool person. We were just like admiring all your wonderful photos. And for you, we decided to go with the song All For You by Janet Jackson. So I see this song as it's like a Saturday afternoon. You're out with your friends or maybe like you're out with your mom or something. You go for a nice little brunch, maybe some like waffles or you get some eggs and some bacon and you have a little mimosa and then you're like oh it's such a beautiful day like let's go shopping and you hit up all these like cute little boutiques and maybe you find like a great new like statement piece for your closet or you find like a cute little like home decor thing you're just enjoying the beautiful weather you go and stop for like a coffee maybe you walk down to like the beach or something and just soak up this wonderful carefree saturday oh i love that and next we have emily um we decided to choose Charmed Life by Lee Nash. Um, they play this in Uptown Girls when they show like a shot of Molly, I believe. And so for this montage, I'm picturing you're going to a store, you're just pointing at the things you want, and the employees are just putting them in your basket for you. You're checking out. Maybe you go to a restaurant and have just a delicious little harvest bowl and then um you go get your nails done and it's just a song about living like a super sweet life and you're having a charmed life and a great time with just absolutely carefree no worries in the world Next up, we have a review from Sunshine831. This montage, I think, is going to be a little bit of a dramatic one because it is the song Knock You Down by Carrie Hilson. Indeed. And I can picture it very vividly. You're in the point in the movie where, like, things have kind of gone to shit. Like, some sort of conflict has happened. You're like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? You need to go clear your head. You're like, you know what? I'm going to go for a run. And you're running and you're just like pushing yourself so hard to like keep running, keep running, keep running. And then you have to stop. Like you're out of breath. You just take a moment and you sit on a bench and just like catch your breath. And you have this moment of clarity where you're like, okay, I know what I'm going to do next. I know what needs to be done. I know what's going to fix this conflict or what's going to like get me on a better path. It's just that perfect moment where you have an epiphany. And for our final review this week, we have Asia. And for you, we chose A Public Affair by Jessica Simpson. So for you, we chose this song because it's like combining some of the stuff you said you like, disco, pink. I think it's just like a really happy, fun, energetic song. Um, I kind of actually... I'm feeling inspired. Okay. Mm. So in this montage, you are roller skating through the town. And Ooh. yeah, yeah. 
you're just flying by in your roller skates like a, a roller skating queen of wherever you live and you pass by some friends you're like hey you pass by a local like diner maybe and you're like they're like oh there Asia goes again and you make your way over to where your friends are hanging out maybe you have like a picnic or something and someone's like playing the song on the radio too and you guys are dancing and then after you eat you go to like a drive-in movie and oh my god yeah yeah and you just have a really great day but i don't know why the roller skates are really lining up here for Mm -hmm. this song i love it i love it wow well thank you so much everybody for the lovely five-star reviews we appreciate it so much and we are you know slowly but surely making our way through i think we're almost done with the reviews that we got in october so (laughs) we're getting there if you haven't heard yours yet it's coming up we promise and uh is there anything else we want to say before we jump in if you're still looking for a last minute gift or just something extra that you want to get yourself or someone you care about, please be sure to take a look at the link in our bio. Um, we do have some new merch designs. We also have some designs in our T Public store from other movies like Christmas movies. Um, we also have designs from like Mean Girls and Jennifer's Body. So take a look at that if you're kind of stumped about what to get someone. Oh, yeah. And the cool thing about Public is that you can get the designs on pretty much anything you want. Like you can filter it for phone cases or pins or stickers or tapestries, laptop cases, phone cases, like pillows, masks. They have everything. So if you don't want a shirt and you just want like a little decor, maybe some Raymond the Lifeguard decor in your apartment – Check out RT Public. Awesome. With that being said, let's get into it. Okay. So we open up, we hear the very iconic John Williams opening score. We see the McAllister house, which is gigantic, by the way. Huge. Um, This is a real house that you can go visit. A lot of people do go visit it. And um, inside... It's absolute chaos. There are children running around. There's people trying to pack suitcases. And we see in, like, the foyer, this police officer is trying to get literally anyone's attention. But nobody gives a shit about him. And we also wonder, how is he in the house? Who let him in? But when you're wearing a uniform, you can kind of do whatever you want. And, like, people will let you. Absolutely. Yes. Meanwhile, upstairs, we see Kate McAllister. She's on the phone talking to her friend about how her husband Peter's whole family is here and how they're all like taking this family vacation to France. That's when teeny tiny little Kevin McAllister comes (laughs) in. He's complaining about how his Uncle Frank won't let him watch a movie with the big kids. And she's like, well, if your Uncle Frank says no, then it must be real bad. And Peter, Kevin's dad, basically shoves Kevin out of the room where his aunt is like, oh, you better go pack your suitcase. And Kevin is like, the horror. Yes. Meanwhile, downstairs, one of the kids asks Fuller, a.k.a. Kieran Culkin, for shampoo. And he's like, I don't live here. And this cop at the door is just trying to get anyone's attention. And let me tell you, no one could give less of a fuck about the cop. (laughs) 
Like people yeah. are like walking down the stairs and he's like, do your parents live here? And then a kid is like, oh no, they're just visiting, walks away. Another kid, do your parents live here? And she's like, my parents live in France. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Back upstairs, Kevin is talking to Jeff and he's like, I don't know how to pack a suitcase. I've never done it before. And Lenny is like, Kevin, why are you worried? Mom is going to pack your suitcase for you. You are what the French call le incompetent. And then <laughs> she tells Kevin that he needs to sleep on the hide bed with Fuller because if he has anything to drink, he'll wet the bed. Not Kevin, but Fuller, which is like a whole yeah. theme for the rest of the freaking movie. Yeah. <laughs> so Kevin decides to go to Buzz's room and... Um, he asks him if he can sleep with him because he doesn't want to get pissed on by his cousin. And <laughs> Buzz is like, I wouldn't let you sleep in my room if you were growing on my ass. Kind of hilarious. Yeah. Kind of a really funny thing to say. Oh, yeah. Buzz is, you know, fucking awful, but he's got some good quips. He can't does. deny. Yeah. Yeah. So he also has that classic, like, spiked up 90s gel hair thing absolutely going. if they were in a school buzz would be like the bully oh, he yeah. would like put you in a trash can he'd be like give me your lunch money yeah or whatever like bullies <laughs> say in movies so um buzz looks out the window and he notices this figure this man outside who's like shoveling the snow and he asks rod if he's ever heard of the south bend shovel slayer that's him Back in 58, he murdered his whole family and half the people on his block with a snow shovel. Been hiding out in this neighborhood ever since. If he's the shovel slayer, how come the cops don't arrest him? Not enough evidence to convict. They never found the bodies. But everyone around here knows he did it. It'll just be a matter of time before he does it again. What's he doing now? He walks up and down the street every night. Salting the sidewalks. Maybe he's just trying to be nice. No way. You see that garbage can full of salt? That's where he keeps his victims. The salt turns the bodies into mummies. <gasps> I'm just like, Ooh. who gave <laughs> this imagination to Buzz? Yeah. Downstairs, the McAllisters get a pizza delivery. Uh, but the only person there to answer the door is this cop who has been standing there for like fucking 40 minutes and uncle frank finally comes downstairs to get the pizza and once he hears the price he's like oh oh it's my brother's house he'll take care of it and walks off with like the 12 boxes of pizza so peter McAllister comes downstairs and the cop is like hey uh are you like the person that fucking lives here and he's like yes i am and the cop is like, okay, so we're basically just checking out the neighborhood because there are a lot of burglaries around the holidays. So we're just checking to make sure everybody's taking the proper precautions. And Peter's like, yeah, we got timers for the lights. We have locks on our doors. Like, not much else you can do. And he's like, sounds good. And that's when Bugs comes downstairs and just drags his dad off to go and eat the pizza. <laughs> his poor delivery boy has still not been paid. So at dinner, everyone is scarfing down pizza. I have never seen white people eat so quickly. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But Kate is like telling everyone to drink milk. And oh, my God. 
That in and of itself just dates the movie yeah. so much. It's really shocking how much milk is consumed in this movie, like with every single meal. Oh, it is. Yeah, and dairy in general. But I will say, um, if you've seen Food Inc., you already know this. There was a uh, dairy surplus in like the 90s, early 2000s, I want to say. And that's why there was so much marketing around (gasps) dairy and like adding craft cheese to this top of things, got milk, like all of that branding was because there was a dairy surplus. So they were like, drink milk, strong bones and teeth. And like, even though there are other ways to get calcium and Mm -hmm. protein that are way more like absorbent into your system and stuff like that. But yeah. That's the reason why it was so heavily advertised and marketed. It's all a conspiracy. God, the got milk era. Crazy. Insane. Insane. I remember seeing a poster. This was in my elementary school. It was Kelly Clarkson with the got Mm. milk ad. Yeah. I do remember when I was in, I think it was the fifth grade, and we had to do like a project about like advertising, Mm -hmm. like different types of advertising. And me and my like partner picked – the Got Milk campaign, and we had like a whole poster board, like about like the Got Milk ad campaign. Um, and I remember that one of the like examples that we put, we did print out the Mary Kate and Ashley one. Wow, I feel like the Jonas Brothers probably did Got Milk. Did they? I feel like that would have been. It probably would have ended by then. I don't know. Were they still doing it in the late two thousands? I'm not sure. But yeah, I was very lucky that I didn't – I wasn't forced to drink milk with meals growing up because my mom was forced to drink milk growing up, and she is very lactose intolerant, um, so she never made us, like, drink milk with every meal, luckily. That's good. My boyfriend's family does still drink milk, and I can't say that I relate to that. Yeah. I can't say that <laughs> I've ever craved it. I am pretty lactose intolerant, but the texture and – the flavor, it's yeah. not for me. It's not yeah. for me. Back right to re- back to reality. <laughs> <laughs> so Kevin asks anyone. Kevin literally is asking anyone, but he <laughs> asks if anyone ordered him a plain cheese pizza. And Buzz is like, "Yeah, but if you want some, you're gonna have to make me fucking barf it up. <laughs> you're gonna have to make someone barf it up because it's gone." And Kevin is, like, fuming. He's, like, freaking out over there not being any cheese pizza. He's watching Fuller fucking chug his Pepsi. He's going to piss all over him tonight. Someone's like, Fuller, go easy on the Pepsi. (laughs) The little smile that he has after he, like, drinks that Pepsi is just perfection. What do they call them? Like, bottle cap? glasses or whatever like super giant yeah giant frames who would have thought he would have gone on to be in one of the best shows on television who not me yeah so (laughs) buzz adds insult to injury and pretends to throw up the cheese pizza and if you have a sibling i mean i did this i would be like (laughs) i did i do this to my boyfriend even i'm like It's just one of the most satisfying things you can do to someone. And Kevin (laughs) loses it. He attacks him. He charges. And I'm talking like you're in an airport and you say, bomb. He's like, (laughs) 
fucking <laughs> sniffing you out. He's like a dog right now. He's feral. So everyone <laughs> rushes to save the passports from the spilled milk. There are like eight eight red solo cups just go down in this process. And Disgusting. there's fucking milk everywhere. <laughs> So they they get the boarding passes, they get the passports. Whose boarding pass gets thrown out? Kevin's. Kevin's goes right in the trash can. And Kate is just like, what has gotten into you? And I'm like, homie, your son didn't eat. Your other son's an ass. Like, pay attention if you're going to pay attention. Literally. So Frank... The uncle who he's kind of like a jerk off, honestly. Yeah, he's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> and he's pissed about the spilled soda on his pants. And he's like, Look what you did, you little jerk. And <laughs> this kid is eight. Like, everyone needs to relax. <laughs> he's literally eight. Kate is like, Yup, I heard that. I heard that. <laughs> everyone is staring at Kevin. And one of the kids who I assume is his brother, but there are just too many kids. Honestly. I think it's one of his cousins. It's one of Frank's kids. Okay. He's like, yeah. Kevin, you're such a disease. And I'm like, <laughs> no one's going to check that kid. No. no one. And at this point, I do have to say like a little disclaimer. Kevin was fresh this entire evening. Like he goes into mm-hmm. his parents' room. He says something fresh to them. I can't remember yeah. what he says exactly, but he's like mm-hmm. – Oh, like, well, why don't you do this? Like, you're not the boss of me. He has a little bit of an attitude on him. He has a huge attitude on him. Yeah. He kind of is giving Roman energy. Yeah. Youngest sibling vibes, big time. Um, But everyone, I think that they all take it way too far. (laughs) Yeah. He is, he is eight after all. And saying, Kevin, you're such a disease. And nobody's like, hey, don't, that's rude. Don't say that. But his mom does solve it. Tell tell him how um, you know his great mother handles this situation. So she drags him out of the kitchen <laughs> and uh, is dragging him upstairs when she sees the pizza guy who's been standing there again for like 40 minutes. So she pays him and the cop is like, oh, you having a nice family reunion? And she's like, oh, actually, my brother-in-law got transferred to Paris last year. And since like his kids still go to school here, they paid for like this huge trip to take all of us to France. And we leave tomorrow. We're all going to Paris. And he smiles. He's like, wow, that sounds so great. Smiles at Kevin with his little gold tooth that like sparkles in the light and tells Kate not to worry about her house. It's in good hands as she is dragging her son up the stairs. (laughs) So upstairs, Kate sends Kevin to the attic, like opens the door to the stairwell and is like, go. And he's like, I don't want to sleep in the same bed as Fuller as I've been trying to tell everyone he's going to urinate on me. And Kate is like, we'll put Fuller somewhere else. And Kevin's like, I'm sorry. And she's like, too late. Get upstairs. I don't want to see your fucking face the rest of the night. And she doesn't say fucking, but she literally is like, I don't want to see you for the rest of the night. Yeah. Kevin says that everyone in his family hates him. And like, I would absolutely say that, too, if I was being, mm-hmm. like, shoved into the attic, no dinner. Yeah. And she goes, which I'm like, this is so out of pocket. She's like, maybe you should ask Santa for a new family. And he's like, I don't want a new family. I don't want any family. Families suck. 
And Kate tells Kevin that she doesn't want to see him again for the rest of the night. And Kevin says he doesn't want to see her again for the rest of his whole life. He's like, oh, oh, yeah, you think I'm going to match you, bitch? Bam. Bam. I'm leveling up. He's like, boop, 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 boop. That was him leveling up. And he's like, or anyone else. And she's like, you know, you'd be pretty sad if you woke up tomorrow without a family. And he's like, I hope I never see any of you jerks again. And it's just like, yeah, one of y'all has to calm down. Mm -hmm. And guess what happens? She sends him upstairs. And you can cut this part out because it is a spoiler. But like, she sends him upstairs and fucking forgets that he exists. She said, I don't want to see you again for the rest of my whole life with her actions. (laughs) Actually. Yeah. So poor Kevin goes up to the attic. He lies down on that hide of bed and thinks about he wishes they would all just disappear. Yeah. So that night, while everyone's sleeping, a storm is a-brewing in this little Illinois neighborhood, and it ends up breaking this tree branch, which takes out a fuse box on their block, and the power goes off in the McAllister house, which turns off their alarm clock. (laughs) Noobs. Using (laughs) a plugged-in alarm clock. Using an analog alarm clock. My God. Not even any backup batteries. Come on. You played yourself. Yeah. So in the morning, Kate wakes up, and she reaches onto her clock for her watch and sees that it's already like 8 a.m. And she's like, dear God. And the vans to the airport have already arrived. She wakes up Peter, wakes up the kids. Everyone scrambles to leave on time. And this is like a montage, kind of like a time lapse Mm -hmm. thing where it's like people going up and down the stairs, left and right, blah, blah, blah. And finally, everyone gets outside. Heather does a head count while Buzz is like 12, 17, 49, 62. Heather can't count to 11 is what we learn in this moment. Well, no, she she counts correctly, but it's one of the neighbor kids that she counts as Kevin. Oh, my gosh. Because, yeah, there's this like little neighbor kid that comes over and is talking to like the van drivers and is like, what You're kind right. of gas mileage does this thing get? And they're like, leave me alone, child. And he's snooping in one of the McAllister bags, and she sees just like a kid with a hat on, and she counts him as Kevin. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So she screwed up. Yeah. And (laughs) finally, everyone is in the van. They're ready to go. One of the guys from the electricity company tells Kate that they fixed the electricity, but it's going to be a couple of days before the phone lines are fixed. And she's like, yada, yada, whatever, got to go. So they rush to the airport. We have this great shot of them all sprinting through. Is it O'Hare? Is that the Chicago airport? I think you're right. That sounds correct. So they're sprinting through the airport. They just make it to the gate on time. They shove the boarding passes in like the lady's hand. She's like, all right, you guys go find your seats, take whatever's free, and like counts them as they're going in. And it never registered until this watch around because I was like actually paying attention and not like cooking Christmas dinner while watching it that (laughs) the reason like she counts and it's the same amount of kids as boarding passes because Kevin's got thrown away. Yeah. Yeah. So even if they showed up, I wonder if they would have had to like, I mean, this doesn't matter. It's a movie, but like if they had shown up, he wouldn't have had a ticket. 
Oh, yeah. So, like, either – well, probably Frank would have been like, well, I'm taking the trip anyways, but um, the McAllisters probably would have stayed home. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, back at the McAllister house, Kevin wakes up. He goes downstairs, like, turns on the TV in the kitchen. Then he starts looking around. It's like, oh, it's really quiet. So he, like, walks around the house, but there's no one there. He, like, calls out for, like, his mom his dad, his brother, like literally anyone, but there's not a single person. Back on the plane, Uncle Frank, who is a complete cheapskate, we find out, is trying to force, um, I believe his wife's name is Leslie, into stealing this like champagne, little travel champagne flute that he was given on the plane. And he's like, no, no, no. It's like, put it in your purse, put it in your back. And the the woman comes over and he's like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And he's just throwing it back. Kate and Peter talk about how they're in first class. And like, I guess she feels bad that the kids are in coach. Which is so weird to me. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it would be so weird if my parents were like in first class and they're like, yeah, kids, like go back there. That's like so bizarre. Like, we would always sit together, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. There's like this side undertone of like um peter being like poor when he was younger i guess Mm because like he's like oh well the only um coach that we flew as a kid was like the bus or something like that or he's like the family station wagon or something like that yeah 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 and Mm. yeah it's just like a little quip but i'm like yeah all right so we're supposed to be like oh he's a good rich guy he's a self-made man because like the McAllisters are clearly very well off um they're doing totally themselves yeah so back at the house kevin is continuing to look around for his family members no one is there he checks the bedrooms he checks the basement where he gets very freaked out by the furnace which like glows red and he can like hear it saying his name (laughs) So he goes outside and sees that the cars are still in the garage and, like, the doors are open. He's like, the cars are still here. They didn't go to the airport. So he goes back inside and sits at the kitchen counter and he's like, I made my family disappear. And then we have this, like, little floating head montage of all of, like, his family members saying all these horrible things to him. Like, (sighs) Kevin, you're such a disease and all this stuff. And then he's like, cracks this little smile and goes... I made my family disappear. (laughs) So he decides to go buck wilds and there's a montage of Kevin jumping on his parents' bed. He eats all these unhealthy snacks. He runs around the house screaming. He snoops through Buzz's secret stuff, which includes like Playboy magazines. And he's like, no clothes on anyone? sickening and pulls out this photo of like buzz's girlfriend and Mm. he's like buzz woof can you imagine being the kid that's like cast for that like they're whoever's photo that they use just for a gag of being like i think that's actually in the imdb it said it was a boy who they like Mm. dressed up to like look like a girl or whatever because the director was like that's too mean to do to a yeah. child. Okay. That that feels better. <laughs> um, so he pulls the BB gun off the wall and he shoots these little toy soldiers into the laundry chute. He makes himself 
This is like the grossest thing to me. He <laughs> makes this gigantic ice cream sundae. It is just like littered with chocolate sauce and a whipped mm. cream. And it looks just like immediate. Like if you ate that whole thing, you would be throwing up, you know? It's very, yeah, it's very much like Buddy the Elf's uh, mm-hmm. fucking chocolate sauce pasta situation. Ah, uh, yeah. He's like Aglio e syrup. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> So, yeah, he watches uh, this movie, which I don't think – I assume it's a fake movie that, like, is for this movie. Yeah. Yeah, uh, called Angels with Filthy Souls. Would you like to do this scene, Mo? Yeah. Who do you want to be? Johnny? Do you want to be Johnny? Sure. I can be Johnny. Okay. okay. <clears throat> Who is it? It's me, Snakes. I got the stuff. Leave it on that doorstep and get the hell out of here. All right, Johnny. But – what about my money? What money? AC said you uh, had some dough for me. Is that a fact? How much do I owe you? AC said 10%. Too bad AC ain't in charge no more. He'll call you when he gets out. Hey, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna give you snakes. I'm gonna give you to the count of 10 to get you ugly, yellow, no good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. All right, Johnny. I'm sorry. I'm going. One, two, ten. <laughs> Keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Kevin shuts that thing off faster <laughs> than you think is humanly possible, and he screams for his mother. Yes, classic. Meanwhile, back on the plane, Kate just has this horrible gnawing feeling that she forgot something. And Peter's like, oh, no, it's just because we left in such a rush. And she's like, no, like, did I turn off the coffee machine? Did we lock the doors? Did you close the garage? And Peter's like, that's it. I didn't close the garage. But she's like, no, there's that isn't it. There's something else. And then she has a realization. <gasps> Kevin! Oh, gosh. It really took her hours to remember. Mm -hmm. So many hours. Um, But, you know, they end up getting in touch with the flight attendant, the, like, pilot. They try to call the house, but their phone lines are still out, so nobody can get through. Leslie's like, I'm sure everything's going to be fine. Like, I'm sure Kevin's okay. And Uncle Frank is like, oh, don't feel bad. Like, I forgot my reading glasses, if it makes you feel better. And everyone's just like... Shut the fuck up, Frank. <laughs> shut your damn mouth. <laughs> Why don't you uh, shut the fuck up, Frank? Back with Harry and Marv. I don't know if the audience has met Marv yet. No, they haven't yet. Okay. So Harry is the same man who was dressed as a police officer in the McAllisters at the beginning of the movie, and Marv is his, like, bandit accomplice. So they drive up to the cul-de-sac where the McAllisters' house is, and they're talking about robbing all of the families who have left for vacation, and Harry's like, Marv, I planned it all out. I know when all the timers are going to come on each house and he's from Long Island. I made him be from Long Island. <laughs> yeah. And Harry just talks about how the McAllister house is filled with the most expensive jewelry, the most expensive electronics, blah, blah, blah. It's the white whale. Yeah. The elusive um, Moby Dick. <laughs> and I got to say, I would also 
go to the McAllisters because it is the biggest yeah. house on the block. Oh yeah, if I were if I were robbing, that would be where I would go. Absolutely. Exactly. So they go over to the house, but Kevin actually hears them creeping around outside. And when they go to the basement door downstairs to enter like the cellar, Kevin flicks on the light just in time to scare them off. And then he runs upstairs and hides under the bed. Meanwhile, the McAllisters, they arrive in Paris. They're at the airport. They rush over to the payphones. She like grabs the payphone receiver out of this French woman's hand and is like, bye, and instructs <laughs> the kids to like call everyone that they know, try and get somebody down to the house. Yeah. So back at home, Kevin is telling himself that he can't be afraid. He is the man of the house. So he walks outside and he yells, I'm not afraid anymore. Like, I'm not afraid. I'm here. And old man Marley walks over to Kevin and Kevin looks up at him and just screams and runs upstairs. Poor Marley. This guy just gets... My man's ostracized. Out just trying to clean his fucking steps. Yeah. Just trying to salt the sidewalks for everyone on the block. And they're like, well, obviously he's a murderer. And what does he get? <laughs> Shat on. Yep. So Kate ends up calling the police, like the local police station in whatever town in Illinois. And she's like, my son is home alone. And asks somebody to like, go and check on him but the police woman is like oh your son better transfer you over to family crisis intervention which is like literally the room next door to her and she's like hey there's a call for you they transfer her over there super not helpful and they immediately transfer her back over to the police lots of back and forth but eventually they're like okay okay we'll send an officer to the house to check on him they actually do send the officer over and they knock on the door Kevin is still hiding under the covers and the police officer um, who for some reason like doesn't announce himself as a no. police officer is yeah. like, uh, they better check their kids or they better do a new count of the kids. Like there's no one fucking home. And I'm like, <laughs> sir. Yeah. Can you do your job for one day of, out of the year? <laughs> Just one. Like literally knocks, nobody answers within 30 seconds. And he's like, well, obviously no one's home. Um, and this woman must be lying about her missing child. So, peace. Bye, sucker. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the airport, Peter is having no luck getting them on a flight home. I mean, there's fucking like 12 of them. And it's like – It's so many people. It's like Christmas Eve, Eve, Eve maybe. It's not going to happen. The soonest that they can get back to the U.S. is two days away, which is Christmas Day. And Peter's like, okay, let's just go to my brother's place. We'll regroup and figure it out. But Kate is like, absolutely not. I am not leaving this airport unless it's to get on a flight to get back to my son. So she decides to stay so she can like potentially hop on a standby. So she says goodbye to everybody and the whole family heads off. Have you ever done a standby flight like – Waited. I have, but it's only because like we've it's been when we've done like connecting flights and we've missed the connecting flight either because like oh. our first flight was delayed or like got held up at customs. That's happened to me like a few times, usually going into the US where the line mm. at customs will be so long that you miss your connecting flight. Um, it's a nightmare. So because of that, I haven't put on standbys for connecting flights, but never just like 
in general for like the first flight only in the interim. When I went to Ecuador on my way home, I was going aboard my flight and they like offer to um, because the flight was like overbooked or something like that or like Mm -hmm. heavily booked. And she was like, "Um, what we could do is offer you a flight tomorrow and we'll give you accommodations for tonight and also give you like a complimentary ticket to use another time and i was like oh that's oh my good God. actually that's usually they don't give you also an extra ticket they're just like here's a 20 dollar voucher to eat food and like a night at the airport hotel oh damn yeah they they were like offering a whole other ticket mm. but i was like in ecuador because i went with a friend mm. and i was like well if i come back like i was still in college at that point i was like there's no yeah. way I'm like affording a trip to Ecuador like without right. my friend. Like it just doesn't yeah. make any sense for me to like because it was with um, the Mexican airline too. So like it uh, yeah. had to be used in Mexico or to Ecuador, like like mm-hmm. an actual place that they would yeah. go to. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, well, this is awesome, but also like not applicable for me. Like I'm just going to yeah. hop on that flight. Sorry to that man who cannot <laughs> go on the flight. Yeah. Back at home, Kevin is talking about oh yeah, he is having like this weird um Patrick Bateman moment, if you will, <laughs> where yeah. he's like looking in the mirror and he's like, I just took a shower and I washed every crevice thoroughly. After, <laughs> you know, plucking my eyebrows, I cleaned my <laughs> nose out. Like just stating things to himself while looking in mm-hmm. the mirror. And he sprays some like deodorant under his arms he tells himself that he's going to pick up a toothbrush when he goes out to the market and then he like slathers some aftershave on his hands slaps his cheeks and he's like ah well okay i maybe because i've never what is aftershave like does it is there something in it that stings i assume that's why he screams my understanding is that aftershave so, like, obviously, yeah, you shave your face, you put on the aftershave. I mm-hmm. believe it's astringent oh. to make sure that you don't, like, like if you cut yourself or whatever, like, it doesn't infect. That makes sense. Okay. Does after Literally, okay, so I typed in does aftershave, and the first thing that pops up is burn. Yeah. That sounds scary. <laughs> I don't like that. Anyways, um, c- continue. Feel free. <laughs> so, yeah, he screams, and then he – is like, well, I don't have any money. I'm just a baby. Money, money, money. I'm just a baby. Money. I don't have any money. <laughs> money, 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 money. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I love that we he, have like three different things that we say about money whenever it goes up. I'm like, it's always. hey, hey, Christina, we're saying money. Can you hit the uh, money button? Money, <laughs> money, 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 money. I don't have any money. money I'm okay. just a baby. Money, money, money. Money, money. <laughs> Absolutely it's like insufferable. We're on a fucking radio talk show thing. It's like hit yeah. that button. And they're all references to other shows. It's none yeah. of it is original content none, from us. Let me be clear. None of this is original content. Absolutely not. Oh, you're calling for the the old Mariah and Christina? They're dead. <laughs> I don't know how that part goes. Oh, the old Mo and Christina can't come to the phone right yeah. now. Why? Because they're dead. <laughs> Look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. <laughs> um, 
Yes, yeah, he needs so mo- he needs money. <laughs> he needs money, and good for him. Lucky for him, his brother has this box of like crumpled up bills that he, I guess, mm-hmm. saved. Kevin says it's his life savings, and I'm like, you're so silly if you think you don't all have trust funds. But Literally. okay. <laughs> And he, um, in the course of trying to get this box, breaks all these wall-mounted shelves and everything comes crashing down, including Buzz's pet tarantula. And the cage breaks and the tarantula is set free. Ugh, nightmare. So Kevin walks outside. He's got his little coat on. He has his little hat on. And he sees this van in his neighbor's driveway. And he's like, oh, that's weird. I thought they went to Florida. Whatever. Heads on down the street. Meanwhile, Harry and Marv are robbing that place blind, (laughs) rifling through everything. Not only robbing it, but like literally destroying it. Yeah. At least have some manners about it. Like there's no need to destroy all of their belongings as well. But with the technology today, they would have there. They would have been caught from house. Oh yeah. Like I would have wanted. Like, get my fingerprints on anything I didn't have to. Like, that's just, like, crime 101, I assume. Well, when did DNA testing become readily available? Mm. Well, DNA would probably would have been later, but they definitely were, like, fingerprinting at this time. And I would assume that, like, Harry and Marv's prints are in the system. I hear you. I hear you. They've probably, like, been in trouble with the law before. So... I wouldn't want to get my prints I on I fought anything. the law and the law won. <laughs> yeah, so sloppy, sloppy criminal work is being done here. Yeah. But yeah, while they're robbing, they hear this little message on the answering machine, and it's Peter being like, hey, like, can you give me a call? As you know, like, we're in Paris, but, you know, like I said, you can reach me at this number, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, wait a second, Peter McAllister, that's who lives in, like, that big house. They aren't home. So they make plans to hit that house tonight. Yes, they do. While that's happening, though, Peter is at the store picking out a new toothbrush. Oh, Kevin. Absolutely. Kevin (laughs) is picking out a new toothbrush and goes up to this woman and is like, is this approved by the American Dental Association? And I would just at that point, I would be like, leave you're done yeah you're done you're, you're done, done. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like i don't know and like call someone else over to ask and the guy's like i fucking don't know like don't talk to me yeah. you old hag he's like this is a general store like i don't know what to tell you yeah this pharmacy's been around since 1892 um <laughs> but then who should show up but old man Marley with a bloody bandage on his hand. And I don't know why he does this, but I think he like slams his hand down on the counter. (laughs) And Kevin just like looks up at the man and the man looks down at him and he runs out of the store with his toothbrush still in hand. And they're like, Mm -hmm. you got to pay for that. And he like, (laughs) sprints out the door um the woman at the cash register gets like this guy in the shop to stop him and kevin is like going 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 yeah and the kid in the store calls out to the cops who are just you know whatever standing around and he's like thief 
And the cops are like, got to spring into action. So they run over to the pond where he runs to. And Kevin slides on his knees through this ice skating rink. Mm -hmm. And the cop tries to follow him, but he like trips. And he ends up losing Kevin. Meanwhile, Marv (laughs) has the bright idea of uh, stuffing rags into the kitchen sink of this house that they've just robbed and turning on the faucet. And when he gets into the van, Harry's like, oh, like, why are you smiling? He's like, oh, God, you did it again, didn't you? And Marv is like, it's our calling card. We're the wet bandits, which is just the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. Um, Once again, they're already robbing people. Must they also cause significant water damage to the house? Apparently. Apparently so. But they pull out of the driveway and they end up almost hitting Kevin with their car, but they stop just in time. And Harry's like, hey, like, watch where you're going. And uh, Marv is like, yeah, Santa Claus don't visit the funeral homes. And uh, fucking dark. <laughs> yeah, very. And then Harry's like, all right, all right, Merry Christmas, and smiles at Kevin. And that little gold tooth shimmers in the light once again. And Kevin's like, <gasps> so he like slowly walks away. And Harry's like, I don't like the way that that kid looked at me. And Marv's like, do you recognize him? And he's like, I don't know. I've seen like 80 fucking kids this week. So they decide to follow him. And Kevin is walking down the street and can obviously tell that these men are just like very slowly driving behind him. So he starts to run. He books it down the street and they drive after him and they follow him all the way to this church. But they like lose him. and They're like, well, we're not going in there. Like, forget it. We got other things to do. So they drive off. But it turns out that a very resourceful young Kevin uh, is hiding in the nativity scene. He grabs a little cloak from one of the wise men and just hid right in there. So he runs off back to his house and he tells himself, when those guys come back, I'll be ready. Back at the McAllister house, the bandits pull up, but it looks like the McAllisters are having a freaking party. They're throwing a fucking Christmas rager right now. A banger. And who's there? (laughs) Mannequins. A Michael Jordan cutout. Um, (laughs) Other, other, like, props that Kevin has successfully arranged to make it look like there are adults at home. And he made a very elaborate set. He's, like, pulling these ropes to, like, make the (laughs) the mannequins move like puppets. Even, like, the mannequins sitting by the window with, like, they have, like, glasses and, like, cards and stuff so it looks like they're like playing cards um also very smart to use a little toy train track to put the michael jordan statue on so it's like somebody moving around the room um and he also has a mannequin on top of a record player so it's just like this woman like spinning around (laughs) holding a drink oh my gosh well he did he does a great job because they are spooked and they decide to try again tomorrow yeah i think that the the implication is that Kate is a designer, right? Because I noticed at the beginning, like, in their bedroom, she had, like, a mannequin and, like, fabric and stuff. So I think that's why they just, like, happen to have all these mannequins around the house. Yeah, that makes sense. Does she mention that? I feel like she might no. mention that. Okay. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I can't remember that's anymore. Possible. Yeah. Meanwhile, back in Paris, uh, the McAllisters are at their – 
this like family members, the brother's uh, apartment and all the kids are watching. I think it's a wonderful life. I'm not sure if that's what they're watching because I tried watching it last year and I made it like an hour in and I just like I couldn't I couldn't do it. It was I'm sorry, but it was kind of boring. I don't so, know this movie. It's a wonderful life. It's Is like a black one? and white movie. No, I don't know it. Yeah. It's like a Christmas classic, but I don't know. I'll try and give it a shot. I'll try and watch the whole thing. But yeah, they're watching that in French. Mm -hmm. And Peter is trying to talk to various French people on the phone to get help. It's getting nowhere. And Kevin's sister talks about how it, like they're rotting in this apartment while Kevin is at home. Buzz is like, well, I'm not worried about Kevin at all. He acted like a jerk way too many times, and this is what he gets. He's a jerk, though. Like, yeah. Buzz is such a jerk. Absolutely. And he continues to be a jerk in the second one, too. Like, boy does not learn his lesson. But the sister is like, what are you – you're not worried about him at all? Like, he's just a helpless eight-year-old. Something might happen to him. And Buzz is like, I don't – give a shit well he doesn't say that but that's implied and says <laughs> I don't that give they a flying fuck <laughs> actually about my baby brother um and says that they live on the most boring street in america like nothing is gonna happen to him there he's like we live on the most boring richest street in chicago <laughs> yeah why would i be worried that something's gonna happen to us yeah Back at home, Kevin orders himself a cheese pizza and leaves a sign for the little Nero's delivery guy to <laughs> come around the back door. And inside, he um, plays the audio from Angels with Filthy Souls to, like, talk to this pizza guy. And then he tosses some cash through the doggy door. It's like a 20-cent tip, I think. He's like, keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The delivery guy is like, cheapskate. And Kevin continues the movie with like, I'm going to give you until the count of 10 to get out of here. And the gunshots. And when the gunshots come on, he actually puts this like metal pot down and um, lights the firecracker in it so that it sh like – explodes when the gunshots go off and the little Nero's guy is shook he thinks he's like yeah. about to get pumped with lead and he mm. falls over the trash cans he goes back to his car gets out of there peels away and Kevin's like a lovely cheese pizza just for me <laughs> this poor like 17 year old kid who's just trying to like make a couple extra bucks with his pizza job getting get terrorized, terrorized. Awful. He's like, I knew those 12 pizzas the other day were too good to be true. Absolutely. So at the airport, Kate is bargaining away with this woman trying to get her plane ticket. She's going to give her like $500, a pocket translator, two first class seats, her wow. watch, her earrings, and her fucking wedding ring. Yeah, that was a little over the top. I was like, let's yeah. let's tone it down right now. Yeah. And uh, the woman is like down to make this trade, but her husband is like, absolutely not. Like, she has more than enough earrings at home and ushers her away. And Kate is like, please, please, I need to be on this flight from one mother to another. And she's like... Oh, Ed. And Ed's like, all right. And like a great fucking deal. I would take that deal for the first class tickets alone. 
But also, like, how sus is it to have a woman come up and be like, here's $500? I'm like, but is it, though? That's true. This is also a time when I guess you could switch plane tickets like that. Like, I don't know if you can do that anymore. Yeah, because you have, like, your name on it. Mm -hmm. Definitely can't do that. But luckily for her, she is able to do it. And meanwhile, Kevin is watching Johnny Carson on TV, and he has a tender moment where he pulls out this portrait of his family and says, I didn't mean it. If you come back, I'll never be a pain in the butt again. I promise. Good night. It's like the first heartfelt moment we get from him of not just loving being by himself. Mm -hmm. So in the morning, Kevin gets ready. He is freshly showered once again. He is singing into his little comb, singing along to White Christmas, uh, does his little routine, combs his hair, puts on the deodorant, puts on the aftershave, screams again. (laughs) So then he takes himself grocery shopping and, you know, gets all the essentials, gets everything he needs and goes up to the cashier and just, you know, starts putting stuff on the conveyor belt. The cashier is immediately suspicious of this young, young child shopping by himself. Certainly. And uh, she's checking everything out. And she comes across these little army men and holds it up to him. And he's like, for the kids. He's like reading a newspaper or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he also like gives her a coupon for like the fabric softener or something. So Kevin hands over the money to pay, and the cashier is like, so are you here by yourself? Like, where are your parents? And Kevin's like, oh, they're in the car. And uh, she asks where his siblings are. He says he's an only child. And then she asks where he lives. And he's like, I can't tell you that. She's like, why? He's like, because you're a stranger. Oh, burn. Gotcha. Yeah. Fucking trick question. Can't fool me. <laughs> So Kevin walks home just like bouncing down the sidewalk with his little grocery bags and we have the famous moment where the bags completely break and all of his groceries fall to the ground. And I am sad to say that this has happened to me before with those paper Trader Joe's bags. Mm -hmm. And uh, Was it like raining, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those paper bags could not withstand the rain and I had to – scoop up all my items and carry them home in my arms like a baby. (laughs) It's a rough time. Back at home, homemaker Kevin out here doing his laundry. And I did think when I saw the scene that, um, because I couldn't remember the movie that well, that he pours in the tide or whatever, and it would overflow like in any comedy Uh, movie. Right. But he's actually just doing his laundry. He knows how to do laundry. So good for him. Yeah. And the furnace, like, roars at him again and has a face on it. And he, like, you know, the fear comes back. But Kevin is like, shut up. And the furnace quiets back down. He has overcome his fear of the furnace. Meanwhile, Harry and Marv, they are casing the joint. And Harry sends Marv to, like, go investigate and check it out. So Kevin is washing the dishes when he sees Marv, like, at the back door, like, rattling the doorknob and even, like, sticks his foot through the little doggy door and his, like, shoe comes off. So he quickly grabs it. And Kevin immediately jumps to that remote, turns on Angels with Filthy Souls, and Marv, like, overhears this movie and thinks that it's people inside talking. Like, Marv. <laughs> yeah. 
And Kevin sneaks over to the door with his trusty little pot and his little firecrackers and sets them off perfectly in time with the movie when the gunshots are happening. Marv ducks, like jumps in those trash cans and runs (laughs) back to the van and tells Harry that there are two other burglars in the area who already beat them to this house. And Marv wants to like get the fuck out of there. But Harry's like, no, no, no. I want to see who it is. Like, if there are other people working this street and, you know, maybe a body turns up somewhere, wouldn't it be nice to have a face to tell the cops about in case, like, we get fingered for it? He was like, you're right, you're right. In case they get fingered for it. That would be really awful. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's old-timey uh, crime movie talk. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know... We we use all these different terms in old time movies like um, anal beads and uh, <laughs> and um, blowjobs and getting fingered. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so back on the plane, who's in Scranton? I'm assuming this is Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yeah, right. So Kate has made her way back to America, but. Every single flight is full. It is Christmas Eve. And this guy at the desk is like clearly not into a sob story right now. He's like, I've got a busy day ahead of me. So she goes off on this guy and it's like, if it costs me everything I own, I am going to get home to my son. And I'm like, okay, Meryl. Yeah. Okay, Meryl. And that's when the sweet, lovable John Candy, a.k.a. Gus Polinski, king, um, polka king, actually, of the Midwest. Yes. He comes over and he's like, hey, uh, Kate, can I can I talk to you for a minute? And he explains that he is in a polka band and their flight was canceled. So they're going to drive in this giant van to Milwaukee and they would be happy to give her a ride to Chicago. So sweet. And before he like offers this though, he goes on this whole diatribe. He's like, "Did you do you know who I am? And she's like, uh, no. And he's like, we're the, the polka keister meisters or something like that. Yeah. Like, you, you know. Poca Poca, that was me. Poca Poca Poca, <laughs> our big hit. <laughs> They're really popular in uh, Sheboygan, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you sure? Yeah, you- Poca Poca. <laughs> so good. So back at the McAllister house, Kevin takes himself outside with a little ladder and starts to like cut down half of a tree in their yard to get himself a little Christmas tree. And Harry sees this, like, they've been camped outside this house for, like, hours and is like, oh, my God, we're being scammed by a kindergartner. A kindergartner. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) is this supposed to be a Chicago accent? I guess. Yeah. That's not aligning for me. Yeah. (laughs) So we go back into the house where Kevin is, you know, putting up his little ornaments on the tree and Harry has, like, snuck over to this window And in the reflection of this, like, glass ornament – or I guess not glass, but this ornament that he's putting on the tree, he sees, like, Harry crouching behind him in the window and is like (gasps) – and then just very calmly goes, Dad, can you give me a hand over here? And Harry's like, he's alone. So they decide that they're going to come back to the house at 9 p.m. 
after dark because kids are scared of the dark. And Kevin obviously overhears it from the window upstairs. Yes. Meanwhile, this is what they're called, the Kenosha Kickers. Mm. They are popping off in the van to Milwaukee with their polka music. And I think that like um, John Candy offers his clarinet to yeah. uh, Kate <laughs> And he's like, come on, try a little. And she's like, oh, no, no. He's like, come on. Don't you want to, like, join in a little bit? And she's like, no. Absolutely not. You're done. You are done. (laughs) So Kevin is like, I got to fucking say my last will and testament right now. So where does he go? (laughs) Santa's village. He goes up to this elf who's clearly a woman and is like, hey, do you know where Santa is? And the elf is like, Yeah, Santa's just getting into his car. If you hurry, you can catch him. So Santa got a parking ticket on his beat up, torn up, old ass car that does not look like it's Mm -hmm. been cleaned in a really long time. And in this moment, and I admit that I'm kind of a cynic, okay? (laughs) But I just can't stomach the thought of like telling my kids that Santa exists and taking them to a mall where like, a guy who clearly doesn't want to do this for a living is like, sit on my yeah. lap and like, take a photo with me. I'm like, this is not it. And it always, Santa Claus is always played, like, if it's not the, the, you know, the real Santa, like Tim Allen, Santa, it's always played by a guy in a movie, like an elf, right? Where the guy is like, mm-hmm. Probably has some priors. Yeah, totally. The The idea of, like, the mall Santa is very weird to me. Like, it's yeah. a weird thing where you're, like, putting your child on the lap of this, like, stranger. And a lot of kids are, like, really freaked out. Like, there's, you can see just, like, hundreds and hundreds of photos of children screaming and crying while sitting on Santa's lap because they're, like, terrified or they, like, don't want to do it. It just is, like, a weird tradition that I don't like. It seems weird to me. I don't, I can't say I like it either. It's the same reason that I don't like clowns. Cause I'm like, this could be anybody. Like it could be anybody. And because they're mm. in this costume, like you're allowing them around your children. Yeah. I guess that's also probably why it's used as a horror device because no one can see yeah. the clown's face with the makeup on. Exactly. Um, yeah. It freaks me out. I hate it. I fucking hate clowns. <laughs> That's so interesting. You didn't know that about? Oh, yeah. I think, I well, I think you told me about it, but I didn't know you like hated them. Yeah. No, I hate them. Wow. Absolutely horrible. It does yeah. kind of make you wonder, though, if it's actually the clowns that scare you or if it's just more the idea of anonymity behind like a mask. Well, I can tell you, I know exactly where my fear of clowns started. Please and us. Yeah, and our friend Christina also hates clown and has the same exact reason. And it was from a chain email that I got when I was like, oh my gosh, nine or ten years old. Is it the one where the babies? Wait, I, I want to guess it, but like you can say it after. Okay, is it the one where the babysitter is in the house and there's like yes, okay. go ahead, <laughs> the clown statue. Everyone yeah. got that chain email, no matter what country you were in. Yeah. I was in Singapore and I got this fucking chain email, but for any of our listeners who did not get this chain email, let me tell you the story. So basically it's about this babysitter. She is babysitting for this family. The parents go out, she takes care of the kids and like in the like 
parents' bedroom, there's this, like, really creepy clown statue. And she's like, oh, that's kind of weird. Whatever. So she, you know, goes about her night, puts the kids to bed. The parents are, like, they call and they're like, oh, we're going to be, like, late. You can stay over. Like, feel free to sleep in our bed. Like, do whatever you need. Like, whatever you need to do, go to sleep there. And she was like, oh, that's fine. But, like, do you mind if I, like, put a blanket over, like, the clown statue? It just kind of freaks me out. And they were like, what clown statue? And she's like, the one in your bedroom. They're like, we don't have a clown statue. And then she goes in there and, like, the clown fucking murders her, essentially, is what happens. And they're like, if you don't send this to 12 people, a clown is going to show up in your bedroom tonight and murder you. Um, And that is where my fear of clowns started. (laughs) It is such a pervasive story. The classic babysitter, like, Ugh, your clown statue. Hate her. Yeah. Can I put a blanket over it? <laughs> what clown statue? <gasps> Insane. Yeah. So when that whole like trend of those people dressing up in their towns as clowns and just like walking around and being really yeah. creepy in like 2016, I hated that shit. <laughs> I hated that shit. <laughs> Damn. Good thing you weren't in Waco, Texas. I think that's where it was. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. Thank God. But back to but anyways, village. Yes. <laughs> so Kevin does catch Santa just as he's about to go into his beat up Impala or whatever it is. And he's like, Santa, like, I need to fucking have a rap sesh, man. Like, let me be frank with you. I'm going through some shit right now. And Santa's like, hey, like, kid. And he's like, no, yep. <laughs> I'm not a kid. I know how it works, okay? I know you're not Santa. (laughs) I know you're just one of his helpers, and you communicate with him in the North Pole. Like, I'm not a child. (laughs) I fucking know how it works, okay? (laughs) I fucking know how it works. You're a baby. He's like, I read the trades. I know what's going on. He's like, did you invest in uh, some Dow Jones today? (laughs) So he's like, instead of toys this year... I just want my family back. No toys, nothing but Peter, Kate, Buzz, Megan, Linny, and Jeff, and my aunt and my cousins. And if Santa has time, like, throw in Uncle Frank for free. And (laughs) he's like, okay, I'll see what I can do. And Kevin goes to leave, but he's like, wait, everybody who sees Santa has to get something. Uh, My assistant took all my candy canes, but here – here are some Tic Tacs. <laughs> Don't spoil dinner. So then we enter the sad boy hours portion of the movie. Our young Kevin walks home. He sees this happy family gathering on Christmas Eve. He walks past the church and actually ends up hearing uh, a choir singing. So he decides to go in. He's having a real like moment. Yes. It's a very reflective internal moment for, for young Kev. And sitting in the church by himself is old man Marley watching this choir sing. So he goes over to Kevin and Kevin is super freaked out. And Marley just smiles at him and says, Merry Christmas. And Kevin's like, wait, what? And... Marley's like, can I sit with you? So he sits with him and says that his granddaughter is singing in the choir and um, also tells Kevin that since they live across the street from each other, it would be okay if Kevin said hello to him. You know, he doesn't need to be afraid. The rumors aren't true. And he asks Kevin if he's been a good boy this year. And Kevin's like, well, 
no, not really. I'm like, Kevin, you've been like a fucking rat <laughs> piss shit this whole year. Been causing trouble. And um, Marley says that this is the place to be if you're feeling bad about yourself. And Kevin's like, yeah, I've been a real pain this year. I said some things that I regret. And I really do love my family. And Marley's like, well, families are complicated, but deep down you will always love them, even if you forget. And sometimes, you know, families hurt each other. And Marley explains that he came here to see his granddaughter sing because it's the only time he can see her since he's not welcome to celebrate Christmas with his son. Apparently they like had this argument years ago and they haven't spoken since. And Marley's just afraid to call him because he's afraid that his son isn't going to want to talk to him. That's so sad. I can't imagine being, like, estranged from your, like, kid. It just sounds like, you know, not good. Yeah. So Kevin talks about how he was afraid of their basement for years, but he recently learned it's not so bad once you turn on the lights. And... He is using his, like, anecdote of getting over his fear to relate to old man Marley calling his son and talking to him because at least then he'll know and he should give it a shot because of his granddaughter. Marley tells him to run along and Kevin's like, are you going to call your son? And Marley's like, we'll see what happens. And Carol of the Bells plays as Kevin leaves the church and runs home. I love this, like... Carol of the Bells, like from the choir into like the huge, like the amazing score that like soars during this montage yeah. is so good. So Kevin's like, This is my house. I have to defend it. And he draws up this adorable little blueprint of his house with all of the places that he's going to set up his various traps and begins to set up those traps all through the house and also sets up a little escape route through his window or through the attic window, I think, into the treehouse. It's like a zip line with a like bicycle handle as like the handle that goes across it it's like very crazy resourceful for anyone but especially an eight-year-old like his mind my god (laughs) it's just chug chug chugging away up there yeah um the bandits finally arrive and they try to get in through the back door and they're just like kids are so stupid Kevin, at this point, sits down to a beautiful dinner he's made himself of frozen mac and cheese and milk in a wine glass, <laughs> and there are, like, two candles lit. It's a whole thing. So much dairy for this child. Sincerely. The clock strikes nine, and he blows out his candles and leaves his hot mac and cheese on the plate, and he grabs the BB gun and hides behind the back door. So, the wet bandits have arrived they knock on the door and they're like hello like we know you're all alone we're not gonna hurt you and i think marv is like yeah it's santa claus we're here with your presence and kevin sticks his little bb gun barrel out the doggy door and shoots harry at a very close range like right (laughs) in the crotch I don't have a dick, so I don't know, but I imagine this would be incredibly painful. Marv then sticks his head in the little doggy door, and once again, Kevin shoots him at very close range, right in the forehead, 
and the men are recovering from their blows. Uh, Harry's like kind of shtick as he's like, what and he's like not allowed to swear because it's a kid's movie. <laughs> and basically Harry's like, all right, I'm going to go around the front. You go through the basement. Harry goes to the front door where he slips on the icy steps that Kevin has prepared for him. And meanwhile, Marv is slipping down the icy steps to the basement door. So they're both like slipping I'm and surprised tripping. they even make it. Yeah, because they, they're like slipping, they're sliding, they're hitting their heads on concrete. Yeah. It's a lot. And Harry manages to get his way to the railing before falling back down. Marv, he tries to pry the basement door open with this crowbar before realizing that the door is just unlocked. And yeah. he swings the door open, goes inside. He sees this light bulb and pulls on the chain, which was actually a trap <laughs> connected to yeah. An iron hanging in the laundry chute. Where does the iron fall on his face? <laughs> Murder. Yeah, this, I think, <laughs> this is the first prank. Because, like, okay, the, the pranks in this movie kind of vary, or the traps, I suppose. They vary in terms of, like, their severity, right? And some of them, like, you would just be, like, mildly injured, very injured, or they're fatal. And this is the first one that I think is fatal because if an iron falls directly onto your head your from that height, yeah, like you could very well die from that. So that's like potential murder number one. And we'll be flagging them as they come yeah. up. <laughs> so the next thing we know, Marv is trying to make it up the stairs, but his shoes and his socks have like stuck to this tar that Kevin has painted all along the steps. And while he's barefoot, he ends up stepping on this giant nail that is sticking out of the floor. Oh, and my gosh. My God. If anyone has seen A Quiet Place. Yes, that's what I was thinking if you of. you know, you know. Fucking atrocious. This woman had her baby in silence. In a bathtub. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I would not survive. I would just be like, you know what? I give up. It's the end for me. That's it. Uh, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. You got me. <laughs> Sorry, the old Christina can't come to the phone right now. She's fucking dead, bro. She's yeah. putting those dogs up and she's done. <laughs> she let the monsters from a quiet place absolutely um, eviscerate her. Fuck your life. Bing bong. <laughs> you see these dogs outside just enough upstairs yeah. I'm going hard. Bing bong. <laughs> anyway. So Harry goes to open the door and his hand is immediately burnt. Um, Kevin has heated up the doorknob to burn his hand to a crisp. Yeah. What is that thing? Like, I couldn't get a good look at it. I have no idea. I don't know enough about barbecue. I, don't know. I thought it was like yeah. a tool from the barbecue. Like, I thought it was like a pair of tongs or mm -hmm. something, but I don't know. Oh, yeah. So Harry goes to the kitchen door and he opens it, which triggers a flame that burns the top of his head when the doors open. It's like the door is connected to a string or a trigger or something. And I'm talking, we are through the hat, the layers of skin, like this man needs a skin graft. Oh, yeah. And I'm just wondering, I'm like, is Kevin getting off scot-free for this? Is like torture? Yeah, because that's... 
That's murder number two. I'm like right there. Someone needs to Julian Assange this like this torture situation right now. Someone needs to be a whistleblower here. Yeah. It's uh it's pretty insane. Cause also if that happened to Marv, because Marv is so much taller than Harry, it fully would have been his face that took the flames. Wow. Not just the top of his head. So murder once again. Murder two. Yeah. Then Marv leaves the basement and Harry runs back in to find Kevin. Marv does see an open window and he decides to take that opportunity and come back in the house. But he steps on a bunch of broken glass ornaments that Kevin has set out for him. And because he abandoned his socks and shoes on the steps with the tar, he is totally barefoot. Yeah. Meanwhile, in another room... Harry has entered, I believe it's the dining room, and mm-hmm. Kevin blows these feathers on him with this, like, powerful yeah. fan. Yeah, because he steps into, like, a, a cellophane thing covered in, like, oil or something sticky, so the feathers oh, yeah. just it looks almost stick like, to him. It looks almost like flypaper or something when he comes in, yeah. and then he's, like, totally fucking sticky. Yeah. So these two wet bandits, they reunite in the house and are just like, what the fuck happened to you? Because they're both looking a wreck. And Kevin is up at the top of the stairs and he's like, oh, I'm over here. You better come get me. And they're like, let's get him and immediately slip on the 500 fucking Tonka truck hot wheels that Kevin has laid out on the ground for them. This is one of the less fatal ones. This one you could easily recover from. But they start scrambling up the stairs while Kevin, who from the floor above, is throwing these fucking paint cans on strings down the stairwell. Boom. Yeah. Boom. (laughs) So Harry ducks the first one and it takes Marv out. But the second one takes Harry out and he ends up landing right on top of him. And Kevin runs off. And while the two men are on top of each other... Marv is like, Harry, like your gold tooth is missing. And Harry is like, that's it. I'll do, you know, I can forgive everything, but my gold tooth is something I cannot forgive. <laughs> this yeah. is not how he sounds at all, but it it just take the, you know, sometimes on the pod, we have to be hyperbolic so that, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if you've ever been telling a joke to your friends, but you just go into this, like, mode where you're like, imagination (laughs) precisely and while you know the bandits are making their way up the stairs kevin calls 911 to report a robbery not at his house but at the house across the street why you might ask well the plot thickens and the plan will unfold yes so upstairs harry and marv run after kevin but harry gets tripped by a wire Marv manages to grab Kevin's foot as he runs up the stairs into the attic. And Kevin is like in a really rough spot. He's like, shit, maybe my plan isn't going to work out. Maybe they're going to catch me. But he spots Buzz's tarantula on the stairs and grabs the spider. He shoves him on Marv's face or... I don't even know how I came up with that word. He throws him on Marv's face (laughs) and Marv starts screaming. It's crawling on him. He throws it off. It lands on Harry's stomach and Kevin manages to run into the attic and get ready for his grand like Jurassic Park or 
um, not Jurassic Park. What's the other guy? Uh, Jones. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones style <laughs> escape to the treehouse through the window while they're like yeah. fighting over this spider. So, yeah. Basically, the spider tarantula is now on Harry's stomach, and he's kind of like passed out from his big fall. And so Marv comes over with his little crowbar and is lifting up, and Harry's like, Marv, Marv, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing, Marv? And he's like, Harry, don't move. And just like fucking whacks Harry's chest, obviously misses the tarantula. Uh-huh. Harry is super pissed off, obviously, and gets up and starts whacking Marv with the crowbar before they run after Kevin. So Kevin does his grand zipline escape. He makes it to his treehouse with only like some very minor damage and um, calls after the bandits. He's like, come and get me before I call the police. And Marv is like, let's go get him. And they're about to run off downstairs when Harry's like, wait, no, no, no. That's what he wants. He wants us to run back through his little house of horrors, but we're not going to do that. He's obviously not calling the cops from the treehouse, so he decides that they're going to climb across this little I rope. don't know. This guy's rich. He could have a phone in the treehouse. <laughs> it's possible. It's very possible. So they're climbing across this rope to get to Kevin. Marv really does not want to do this. It's obviously a terrible idea. Of course, once they're like halfway across... Kevin pulls out his giant hedge trimmers and they're like, oh shit, go back, go back, go back. They start going the other way. Kevin cuts the rope. They go flying. They hit the wall of the house and they crash to the ground. And then Kevin climbs down from his little tree house and starts running out to the street. I am surprised by the arm strength of the two bandits to actually get to the middle of the rope. Oh my gosh, yeah. And like that has to be fucking green screen whatever the hell but it is funny to see like joe pesci hanging there when it looks like he's like barely <laughs> touching the rope yeah. well he's, he's like i assume they're on wires would be my assumption yeah 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 so in the street the bandits chase kevin and he's like i'm calling the cops and he runs into the, the neighbor's basement which i'm assuming is the murphy's yeah yeah were they the ones going to florida yeah and so the basement's flooded right because marv clogged the sinks and when he gets up the stairs Harry and Marv are waiting for him at the top of the stairs and they grab him and hook his little fucking sweater on a hook <laughs> on the pantry door. And they're just like, we're going to do exactly what you did to us. And they start listing off. They're like, I'm going to, you know, trip you and burn your hair. And- I'm going to burn your head and hit you in the face with an iron. <laughs> yeah. Really insane yeah. stuff. I'm like, That would kill him. Like, he is eight. You're like, the crime is escalating so quick from just like casual burgling to child killer and torturer. Meanwhile, Marley sneaks up with his shovel and nails Marv, nails Harry right in the head and grabs Kevin off the door. He's like, let's get out of here. So from his house, Kevin watches while Harry and Marv get arrested, and the cops are like, oh, you know what? It's a good thing that you did the fucking wet bandit water running gag, because now we know every single house that you've hit on this street. And 
they get shoved into the cop car, and as they drive off, Kevin smiles at Harry from his window. Ooh. In the van with Kate and the Kenosha kickers, um, Kate is kind of venting about how bad of a mother she feels like she is, and he's like, you know, we're all terrible parents. You know, this guy should be at home. Like, I should be at home with my family, yada, yada. And she's like, yeah, but have you ever gone on vacation and left your child at home? And Gus says, no, but one time I did leave my kid at a funeral parlor. Yeah, it was terrible too. I was distraught and everything. The wife and I, we left the little tyke there in the funeral parlor all day, all day. You know, we went back at night when we came to our senses and there he was. Apparently he was there all day with a corpse. Now he was okay, you know. After six, seven weeks, he came around and started talking again, but he's okay. They get over it. Kids are resilient like that. <laughs> and Kate's like, yeah, I'm going to need you to stop talking to me. I'm hearing a lot of this, and I want to be hearing this. Boom. So the next thing we know, it's Christmas morning. <laughs> Kevin has woken up. I can't with your, your, your Christmas <laughs> Next thing we know, know. it's freaking Christmas, Christmas, babes. morning. Welcome to my ASMR channel. It's Christmas. I have a cold shade roller. I'm going to put it on your cheeks. Welcome to my channel. Here's my um, Christmas gift unwrapping ASMR. And it's me tearing wrapping paper (laughs) in front of the mic. I'm so excited to do my Christmas time ASMR for you. But before we get into it, I want to thank ExpressVPN. <laughs> they always do the ExpressVPN. Fucking oh ExpressVPN. Case Defy and Helix have a, a, a grip on a chokehold on, on ASMR ads. <laughs> I didn't even realize that like ASMR like channels would do ads but like obviously they would like any other youtuber Mm -hmm. but like that's so wild (laughs) oh my gosh i've seen like three (laughs) different asmr people be like and i just want to thank express vpn and also like (laughs) they're not beats by dre it's like these other wireless headphones that i always Mm -hmm. see advertised yeah (laughs) i want to thank my partner honey.com the free downloadable google extension (laughs) I do have honey.com and I do use it sometimes. Does it sometimes save you money? Get, sometimes, not often, but sometimes there'll be a code that works. Yeah. Um, so you never know. And I think mm-hmm. you can also like bank points and stuff. Like you can get cash back and stuff like that. Whoa. Um, honey, yeah. sponsor yeah. us. Come on, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out here doing your copy for free right now. <laughs> free.com. And you want to be going to honey.com. <laughs> honey.com slash MTRU. <laughs> Let's make it happen. I'm manifesting. I'm manifesting. manifesting ads in 2021. All our listeners are like, um, none of us want ads. (laughs) They're like, no, thank you. Um, But anyways, what's happening? It's Christmas morning. That's what's happening. So (laughs) Kevin sees the beautiful snowfall. He runs downstairs, is like, mom, dad, mom, looking for his family. But there's no one there. Not a single soul. He opens the door. Nothing. And as soon as he shuts that door, who pulls up? But the polka van. The Kenosha kickers. Inside, Kevin is looking at that portrait of his family. 
when Kate comes in calling his name, Kevin, Kevin, when she sees the Christmas decorations he put up, the tree, the stockings with everyone's names on them, Kevin runs down the stairs. Apparently, Christina's crying <laughs> at this point. I did. I cried twice while watching this movie. Um, I think it's mostly because I had a really bad day yesterday because I did have to like cancel my trip to spend Christmas with my brother. So this is like the first year in my entire life where I'm not going to have like a single family member around me for Christmas. Mm. So I was I was having a rough time watching the end of this movie yesterday. So I did cry um, at two separate points. And this is one of them where I cried at Kate just looking at all the the decorations, and then, like, them seeing each other. It, it hit me. Yeah. Kevin comes jettisoning down the, the stairs and runs into his mother's arms, and Kate wishes him Merry Christmas and says that she's so sorry. And Kevin smiles and hugs her, and he asks where everyone else is, and she's like, oh, they couldn't come. I And she starts, like, to make up an excuse, but – Everyone busts through the door and hugs Kevin. And Kate's like, um, how did you get here? And Peter is like, well, sweetie, remember that plane that you didn't want to wait for? Yeah, we got on it and had a lovely, you know, just a single fucking plane ride over here. <laughs> yeah. And Buzz tells Kevin it's pretty cool that he didn't burn the place down. And Kate is like, oh, I have to find an open store. We don't even have any milk. But... <laughs> Kev, the fucking milk. I can't deal with it. Uh, it's unwell. I guess when you have five kids, you're just like pumping them full of dairy. Yeah. But Kevin's like, oh, sweetie, do we have a milk? We also have eggs and fabric softener. And Peter's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? He says something like very cheeky. He's like, what is up with you, kid? I think I think he's just like, oh yeah, like what else did you get to while we were away or something like that? And he's like, uh, just hung around. I'm like, you're not gonna tell your parents that their house was a target of a burglary. Yeah, there was a neighborhood burglar. And that he literally almost got killed. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> yeah, and he also cleaned up all of the fucking carnage. From the night before. Like, you wouldn't even know. Hands out here on his hands and knees, cleaning up. <laughs> Scrubbing away. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone heads into the kitchen, and Peter finds Harry's gold tooth. And he's like, Kate, Kate, what is this? But Kevin <laughs> goes to the window where it's lightly snowing, and he sees old man Marley reuniting with his son and his son's family and he picks up his granddaughter and sees Kevin and, and waves out the window to him. And, and Christina cries one more time Yeah. <laughs> before Buzz yells out, Kevin, what did you do to my room? Because I guess he did not clean that up. No. <laughs> and that is Home Alone. Aww. Wow. What a, like, a little heartfelt, just a wholesome-ass movie. Yeah. It's really enjoyable. It's, like, the quintessential, like, 90s Christmas movie. It puts me in the best mood. Like, it's a it, because so much of it is, like, visual gags. Like, you don't have to, like, 
really worry about a lot of dialogue, especially because like Kevin's alone for most of it. So it's great to have a Charlie Chaplin esque feature. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So it's great to have on like in the background. You can like pay attention to like the important parts while also doing other stuff, which I think is why we often watch it on Christmas Day. But it's really lovely. Macaulay Culkin is delightful in it. Like he's very funny. He has great timing. Um, I didn't really realize until watching it this time just how much direct-to-camera address he does <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching it. I hadn't seen it in a pretty long time. Just like mm-hmm. I knew what the movie was about, but like in the beginning when they were like, we're all going to France, I was like, I don't fucking remember that. Like I don't remember where they were <laughs> yeah. going or why. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's just one of those movies that you can watch and – not have to really do a lot of critical thinking. You just mm-hmm. enjoy it for what it is. Funny. I love the character of Kevin being like, it reminds me of Malcolm in the Middle, how Malcolm is yeah. like super smart and intelligent, but like he's a kid mm-hmm. and you have those moments yeah. where you like get inside the kid's head. Mm-hmm. So that was fun to see. And definitely like the classic, classic 90s physical comedy that we don't get anymore is always delightful. Yeah. And like Joe Pesci, hilarious. Such a great Um, actor. Daniel Stern, also hilarious. Like they're, they play off each other really well. They have really funny chemistry together. I mean, obviously we're talking about the first movie, but the second one is also really good. I think I might even like the second one more Mm -hmm. just because, well, like it's set in New York and like, I always loved that growing up and Mm -hmm. we have like, the whole like hotel staff thing with like Tim Curry and then there's also like the burglars are back and the they just like really up the ante with the traps and stuff that are set up so I enjoyed the second one as well and it's rare for a sequel to be as good yeah but yeah it's it's great I'm glad that we were able to cover it um And on that note, shall we give it a little rating? Our last Christmas movie rating of the year? I think that what's the first category? Story. Story. It's a really good story. It's a pretty solid story. Mm -hmm. I think it's quite unique. I'm going to give it a five. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm also giving it a five. Hell yeah. Great. It's like, it's very well paced. It's nice and tight. I like never really realized until watching it this time that the, like the, the burglary only happens in like the last 20 yeah. minutes, but everything before then is still like very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, that the pacing feels very good to me. They really did let this eight year old star in the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> he carries it. He carries it. Yeah. He absolutely does. Yeah. I kind of want to watch more Macaulay Culkin films after this. I think that these ones are the only ones I've seen because I've never seen My Girl. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Richie Rich. Oh, Richie Rich. Shit, I haven't seen them so long. Yeah. Um, next up, performances. So definitely great performances, but I mean, I'm going to give it a four just because mm-hmm. it's not like Oscar material, <laughs> but it was yeah. really enjoyable and I think it was the perfect performance like for this movie. Yeah, I'm also I'm also going to give it a four because it's very solid across the board. Um, I mean, we barely even talked about like Catherine O'Hara, but she's fucking phenomenal in this as well. I mean, she is in everything that she does. Um, but there's there's nothing that really like super, super stands out to me to like really bump it up to a five, but very solid across the board. Great ensemble. And like the kids are pretty good too. 
like across the board. And that's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. The kids are solid. They don't take away. They play their bit characters for sure, but they don't take away from mm-hmm. anything. Like it's not – it doesn't feel over the top. It feels like yeah. really cohesive, which is great. Yeah. And the last is Christmas Spirit. I mean, I'm going to give it a five because this is my Christmas Day movie. How could I not? Um, it definitely puts me in the mood. Um, I will often also like listen to the score at Christmas time. Oh, nice. It's really great. It's like it has that cheeky little like do 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 that like fits very well with like the child like nature of the film. Yeah. But then we also have like the slower ones that go with like the emotional moment. I mean, John Williams, hello, amazing. But yeah, it really puts me in the mood, so it's going to be a five for me. I'm going to give it. Uh, I'm going to give it a four, just because it doesn't have that nostalgia factor for me. But mm-hmm. it centers around Christmas, and I really, really yeah. like the idea of him getting what he wants and realizing that it's not mm-hmm. what he wants at all. Yeah, in one of those moments where it's like all that really matters at Christmas is your family and the people that you love, and I really love that. So. Mm-hmm. That's definitely definitely gonna win some points with me, and wow, I, I can't believe that that's it. I know. I mean, next week we have a New Year's movie. We do, and um, I'm very excited for that. I hope that you guys enjoyed this lineup. It was very fun to have you guys pick it for yeah. us, which was really you cool. You picked some really great movies, so thank you. Yeah, maybe we should have them pick for. Rom-com February? Ooh. Or we could do like a critic's choice. Wait, no. Oh, yeah. choice. Critic's choice. Listener's choice. Yeah. We could put up like a couple options for like maybe the first movie of the month to kick us off and you guys can vote. I think that would be fun Um, because like obviously we get a lot of requests from you guys and we want to accommodate them. But, you know, when we're only doing one movie a week – it might take us a while to get to your request. So I think having more like voting, stuff like that would be fun to do in 2022. Absolutely. Maybe some giveaways. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? And if you got a DM from us asking for your address and your applied pack, I just want to let you know that you're going to be sent something shortly. So if you didn't get a reply when you sent your address, just send another message so I can make sure that you're on the list. But yeah, I'm going to be sending those out pretty soon. So I just wanted to yes. give you a little heads up. Yes. It was uh, it was so lovely to be featured on so many people's Spotify wrapped this year. So yeah. we wanted to give a little something back. Uh, we appreciate the support and the love so much. It's really been like this year has been huge for this podcast. Like the growth has been kind of insane. Um, so we're just super thankful to everybody who's listened to either just one episode or all of them or any combination in between. Anyone who sent us a DM or an email, we have so much love for you guys. And thank you so much for supporting the pod. And we are so grateful to have you as listeners. And we're excited to have even more Sleepover Squad listeners in 2022. Yes. And we will see you next week for our last movie of the year. Unbelievable. Well, I'm Mo. And I'm Christina. And our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.